Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are both back from our trips to Disney World. Yay! We've taken the the break. (laughs) We've had a Supergirl hiatus, but now we are ready and we're back to discuss the season four episode of Supergirl titled A Crime and Punishment. And since we don't have any news this week, let's just get right into it, Morgan. Oh, it looks like the uh, the description writer's back. Yes, <laughs> we do have a very lengthy and detailed description this week. <laughs> I, I was worried about them last the last episode <laughs> when it was like one sentence and I was like, are they okay? <laughs> I guess even episode uh, description writers have days off. What if they were all in Disney World? <laughs> <laughs> the episode description writer was like, look. I've got to go to Disney World for a week. Somebody else come in and take over my duties. <laughs> yeah, so now we've got we've got our usual description writer back. So here is the official description. Quote, Supergirl and Lena head to Strikers Island to search for clues on how to defeat Lex. At the prison, Supergirl tries to befriend a nosy prisoner, Steve, guest star Willie Garson, who may have insight into what Lex was doing. But he and all the prisoners regard her as a traitor to the country and refuse to talk to her. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> basically the whole story. Uh, Lena, <laughs> Lena, Lena realizes Lex left behind clues for her and deciphering them could be the key to his whereabouts. Meanwhile, Kelly encourages James to talk to someone about his PTSD and Alex faces off against Ben Lockwood after he storms the DEO and acquires some powerful weapons to hunt Supergirl. On quote, and now you've experienced the exact in the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> so let's break it down in all of its parts. Uh, so I guess the first thing that we could talk about is uh, Supergirl is now public enemy number one. So what did you think about Kara and how she was dealing with this? Uh, yeah, I felt bad for her. I thought like. The, seeing her realize that she, it's like not even safe for her to save people anymore. Like people are confronting her on the streets. Um, it was it was rough to watch. I felt really bad for Kara, and she's like, you know, she's trying to tell people, "Hey, like I didn't do it. That wasn't me." And like nobody's listening because you know, uh, probably pretty traumatic watching Supergirl 
you know, mess up the White House. So no one's uh, no one's really in the mood to listen to her. Uh, and I, th- <laughs> I think uh, I think this is one of the first for Supergirl. I think she's been having a tough season overall with people, but I think this is the first time that she's really seen people turn against her so dramatically. I mean, that had to have been devastating for her. Uh, to know that people saw her as as that as a terrorist, but it, to to be fair to all the people in this episode, what are they supposed to think? They saw basically Supergirl doing this thing, and then she's just like, "No, guys, that wasn't me." But it's, <laughs> that's not like a the the shaggy excuse is not going to really fly for you, <laughs> generally speaking. <laughs> yes, uh, so I mean, they're they're. Just talking about and and looking at what they're seeing, they're not. They don't have any other facts to dispute what went on. All they see is Supergirl, and that's what they know. So, and, and there were several eyewitnesses to to this event. James is one of them, and so I, you know, I can't blame these people for having questions and questioning. And specifically questioning Supergirl's integrity and her reputation and her actions, I would question that, too, because she basically, um, well, in their minds, she committed a, a kind of a, a huge terror attack on on the United States. And that's a big deal. And uh, especially doing it in the White House, in the Oval Office, that is that is a direct attack on the president and the United States. So I, I can imagine that the people of America specifically see that as a huge threat. And so it, it's kind of tough because I understand that Supergirl, from her per- point of view, is like, why are people just jumping to conclusions about me? I've saved the world. I've done all these good things. You know, uh, why why are they just jumping to this conclusion? But at the same time, I can understand why the people see what they see. That's all they know. So what are they supposed to think? So I, I can see it from both sides. Yeah, I, I I thought the same thing. It's like, well, that would be a that's a like a pretty dramatic thing for you to explain away. Like it. No, I, I know how this sounds, but that was my evil twin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she is bad uh <laughs> it's a every explanation that she would have uh sounds worse than maybe even not saying anything at all <laughs> well and to that point maybe that would be a good excuse because people uh had experienced bizarro people that's, in national city had seen uh her on red k so I also don't know why the people haven't just been like, well, maybe that's one of those evil, evil supergirls, you know, because we, we've seen those before. That is a good point. It's this is not her first uh, foray into being uh, briefly evil. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe they were like, well, she's not apologizing. So <laughs> usually she uh, she hacks the airwaves to tell us. <laughs> to give us like a heartwarming speech about something uh, you know hope or <laughs> hope or maybe more hope and so <laughs> definitely about hope if there's one thing that she's going to get on national tv about it's hope they're like listen a supergirl we cannot hear any more about hope we get it <laughs> she's like that's all i know how to talk about um, which uh, brings brings me to a question i had like why doesn't supergirl just get on 
a TV camera and say, hey, that wasn't me. Yeah, that was my question, too. I feel like, listen, <laughs> of all the times to um, to take over the airwaves, yes. <laughs> now might be it. Like, now <laughs> is the time. You have somebody who has um, some form of media <laughs> empire. We're still not sure what they do. <laughs> <laughs> but you work there and you have access to cameras. Maybe now is the time to be like, hey, James, if you could crawl out from under the desk <laughs> for a minute, <laughs> could we could I borrow uh, the CatCo broadcasting system for just a sec? Could you pause whatever it is that CatCo broadcasts? <laughs> We're still not clear on that. And could we <laughs> could we get just get Supergirl in there? To uh, to give a speech about how that was actually my evil twin. Uh, it wasn't me. Hope, hope, hope. <laughs> of all the times to be like, you know what? People don't want to hear from me. <laughs> it doesn't make a ton of sense. But Supergirl is, you know, flying around, still trying to help people. And I think uh, throughout this episode, she realizes that maybe... Supergirl is not uh, maybe the identity she she should be leaning into at this point because she is public enemy number one. So what did you think about Kara's time as Kara Danvers, the uh, reporter slash journalist slash whatever it is she does? <laughs> well, I thought it was funny that she was uh, that she was like, right. I'm a journalist. <laughs> um, I-, I will say I feel like the show um lean too hard on having um the prisoner character let me look up his name steve lomelli a good friend steve (laughs) uh steve and i are on first name basis (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i do love willie garson though i was really excited to see him show up in the uh in the episode because i i've seen him on white collar and way back and on to sex in the city so i was like yeah but um, so our good friend Steve was, I feel like, a little bit too effusive with his praise. He was like, you're basically the only good writer at CatCo. And I was <laughs> like, how is that possible? Does CatCo only come out like once every three months? <laughs> I don't. I, how can this be the case? <laughs> He's like, you're basically the only one I read. And I was like, so you don't read a lot, Ben. I'm kidding. <laughs> Like, listen, we're all watching this same television so- show, Supergirl writers. Like, I get, I get that you want to say that Carr is a good writer, but we've seen absolutely no evidence that she even shows up to work. Well, and I also felt bad for Mackenzie. Mackenzie has been doing the work. She puts in the time. She comes up with articles. She's going after the truth. Nobody. Steve is not giving credit to Mackenzie and her and her pieces, which she obviously is doing because we do see her at work. Yeah, she shows up. <laughs> she she shows up and she does her job. Some people at Catco are so dedicated that they live under their desk, <laughs> and like Kara doesn't even show up for work. <laughs> Some of Catco's employees <laughs> die on the job because they get brainwashed to jump <laughs> off the building. Yeah, who who is who is here to talk of Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> Some of their employees will die for their jobs. 
So uh, I think that should be respected and memorialized. Let us not forget Kelly. Uh, you know what I also realized, which is so, so funny, is that um, Kara actually has been mentoring Nia because when's the last time we've seen Nia at work? Uh, you know what? <laughs> She was there this week. That's true. Was she doing anything? <sighs> she ate a donut. She ate a donut and she's uh, pretended to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like deep within me, I feel like Car- she actually has been being mentored by Kara. Kara's <laughs> like, look, this is what I do when I come in. When I come in, I eat a donut. And then I maybe uh, sleep for a little bit. I start to write an article and then I think like, eh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the thing I liked about Kara slap, well, and Supergirl's interaction with Steve is that I think he, now he did overpraise Kara a little bit. I will <laughs> agree with you <laughs> about that. Uh but I appreciated that he, and this is going to sound like some real tough love, but but Supergirl and Kara are my favorite character. Um, I guess Supergirl slash Kara, not Supergirl and Kara. They're not really two different people. That sounded weird coming out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> but Supergirl slash Kara is my favorite character. And uh, so I love her to death. This is why I watch the show. But I was glad that Steve called her out a little bit as Supergirl. I liked that he helped her think more about her actions as Supergirl. Because sometimes sometimes I actually sit there and I think, she needs a little humility. She needs to be humbled just a smidge. So I liked that he was telling her things that made her look inward. And realizing that maybe she's doing some things that are maybe a little egotistical. Maybe they're doing more harm than good. Uh, so I liked that he, the way he spoke about Supergirl, telling her like, hey, people see you as a traitor. They want to nuke you. This is a big deal. Don't take this lightly. <laughs> um, and so I, I liked that he called her out for thinking she was above the law because sometimes I do think tough love here i do think supergirl thinks that and so i liked that he called her out now he was a little harsh he, uh, he called her a, ma- a malignant narcissist which i don't know is completely fair but i i you know her unilateral bull in a china shop approach i think sometimes that can apply so i i know that it hurt her feelings um, and I did think Melissa played that very well, that she took that in and, and kind of felt that as Kara would. Uh, but I was glad that somebody called Supergirl out about that because I did think it was strange that everyone thinks that she is this terrorist and she's still going around at Strikers like real pompous and, uh, you know, uh, being being. Um, I don't know. She She's kind of full of herself when she's with the warden and making quippy remarks. And I'm like, you know, people like you're n- public enemy. Number one, people are out to get you. I think you need to tone it down a little bit, Supergirl. <laughs> so I was glad that somebody called her out on that. Um, so maybe even if Steve was a little too high 
on the uh, the Cara Danvers praise, um, I did like what he had to say about Supergirl because I think that will humble her a little bit, and I, I and I think her diving into her Cara Danvers side is going to help her get through this. So I'm glad to see there is a lot of good ca- character stuff for Cara in this episode. Yeah, I agree. She has been very like bull in a china shop. I feel like at different parts all season where like she has been like, well, this is, it is. And and it does feel a little bit like it would be nice. It it was like kind of nice to see somebody say like, well, you know, you're not the only one who's ever right. Um, And have Kara sort of take that in and think, well, Hmm. You know, if, if, if everybody's terrified of Supergirl, maybe, I just uh, I just lay low for a bit. Yeah, I I liked that, and it I was sorry it took her so long to figure that out. <laughs> Why didn't she figure that out before? But I guess at least she got there um, to to finally realize that hey, maybe the Supergirl aspect of my character is not helping in this uh, situation. Uh, she does figure that out. Uh, because of necessity, because she's being hunted by Metallo and she has to figure out a way out of it. Um, but at least she she gets there. And I like that she was going after the truth and she even points out that there are other ways to get there. There are other ways to get to the truth. And I think Cara Danvers and um, getting there is uh, getting there that way is the right way to approach it because Steve was not going to tell Supergirl anything about Lex. He was not going to divulge any information that way, but he was willing to tell her anything that she wanted to know as Cara Danvers. So I, I really liked that use of um, Cara Danvers in this episode. And I kind of wonder why it's taken this long. It feels like they don't lean into that as much. I think that the the Cara, the Cara Supergirl balance that they strike on the show is is not always the best. It feels like sometimes she's mostly car or she's mostly supergirl and there's not like a lot of toggling back and forth so i did like that we saw both aspects of like well if supergirl can't get the job done maybe cara danvers can in this episode well um so we got to see supergirl doing some investigating some cara doing some investigating but uh there was also another investigator in this story over at uh, their time at strikers lena luther uh got to dig through some journals of her brothers and she found a secret room what did you think about lena in this episode um lena in this episode was perfect (laughs) Uh, (laughs) first uh, i want to get into the most important thing about lena in this episode um she was wearing a leather blazer and now lena luther boardroom or ballroom I have so so many questions, but I like to think that she was like, okay, I'm going to a jail, but I'm investigating. <laughs> what do I need? And she was just like going through a closet and she was like, right, the leather blazer. <laughs> <laughs> For one, you have to be tough, but also you're getting business done. <laughs> I appreciate that Lena has an appropriate outfit for every occasion, (laughs) including threatening a warden. (laughs) She's like, oh, no, not any blazer will do. (laughs) 
this has been Lena Luther, Boardroom or Ballroom. I really liked Lena's storyline in this episode. Um, I liked that her that she went in with Supergirl and that they were sort of investigating what Lex was up to. And I, I really like the uh, the little bits and pieces that we're seeing of the Lex and Lena um, relationship. I find it fascinating. I think it's kind of the Lex and Lena stuff this season has been probably my favorite part of the season, I would say, because I just think it's really consistently good and like fascinating. And there's good character stuff for for Lena. And so like seeing the flashback of, of little Lex and Lena in the uh, in the treehouse and uh, getting to see her reading over the journals. And I think it it makes Lex a more interesting, like nuanced character. He's clearly a bad guy uh but the fact that he he does care about lena even if it's in his like own really weird twisted way where it's like she's so dumb she's she doesn't even understand how smart she is and it's like well i don't know how to take that because that <laughs> compliment came with an insult so <laughs> but uh, but I, I really do like that the fact that like there's a little kernel of like a human being that cares about his sister in there, just surrounded by like a lot of crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I, and and especially when she's looking at the uh, the pretentious um, drawing that he did on the wall, and she's like, "Wait, I know." And she presses it, and it like leads to a secret <laughs> compartment. But like, listen, that is what I'm here for. That and the possibility of Turtle Boy Jimmy Olsen <laughs> is really the kind of stuff that's getting me through. <laughs> this year so i thought that was that was so fun and being able to see that he had all these journals of like uh basically just like he just has a bunch of uh burn books about everybody <laughs> that made me like him so much more like he's just got he just got the superman burn book and like cars like flipping through it and it's just like superman is dumb and here's why and i was like Love it. Dying for it. <laughs> it was kind of like a burn book. Um, there's one page of his journals that mentions, I guess there's like a whole run-in he must have had with some Batman villains because he mentions Pamela Isley as Poison Ivy and her ability to control minds. He talks about something about a crippling drug overdose, and it says Dr. J. Crane, which is obviously Dr. Jonathan Crane, a.k.a. Scarecrow. So he's had some run-ins with some Batman villains as well and he puts a he puts a nice little uh superman of uh, a creepy uh superman drawing in there uh look uh, i guess looking into his mind maybe i don't know and, and, and the brain is very very small i'm looking at <laughs> I, I just want everybody to know that I, this is not like i don't have this handy these are rebecca's notes that i'm looking at because i was <laughs> i was having i only watched the episode like one day ago and yet i was struggling to remember details so i was like could i look at your notes but there it's it's a drawing of like a, a like a magnifying glass trying to to find super superman's tiny pea brain which is uh, such a lex luther thing where it's like i'm gonna insult you but i'm gonna go so far overboard that it's like uh, you just kind of played yourself you just made a whole drawing of me <laughs> yeah i was fascinated by his his journals because i tried to go and read as much as i could and really prop 
props to the props people on Supergirl because somebody took a lot of time to write these things out and dig into the character. And I thought it was really fascinating. Um, and as much as I could, I'll, I'll read what I, what I found really quickly. Um, so these are these are all thoughts from Lex's point of view. And I'll, I'll just kind of read what I could make out. Uh, there's one page that says, I explain why great achievement uh, advancements require sacrifice. I try to share this and show them that we are great, we are heroes, and still they fear me, all in capital letters. Weak <laughs> knees, slack jaws, small people, unable to gra- grasp greatness. I try to elevate them, show them, uh, show them and nothing I say lands on any fertile ground. Can I make it clearer? No. When the plan, and he says something about when the plan comes to fruition. I don't know if this is the Red Daughter stuff, but he says when it was all when it was all worth it. When the name Lex Luthor becomes revered, and then he also talks about laughing like mad. Um, he talks about uh, he had some run in with Superman, and uh, the walls exploded inward, and Big Blue, as he calls Superman, tosses him about, breaking his bones. So I can understand why maybe he would have an issue with Superman if Superman's breaking his bones. Uncool, Superman. <laughs> I'm cool. Uh, and so he has pages about Lena. Uh, this is probably what she read that really bothered her. Um, but he, he makes notes about everything about Lena. He, he says something about, I guess, that she likes animals, especially horses. She goes riding without me every day. Uh, she, he talks about her, uh, I guess, some sports ability. I couldn't really make that out. Something about astounding hand-eye coordination and mechanical aptitude. Uh, he talks about Lena's great thirst for knowledge, above all from figures of authority, father, mother, and me. That seems to line <laughs> up from what we've seen. Uh, he says that Lena remembers names and dates from events when she was barely a year old, uh, molded e- and she's molded easily by emotions. And he says something about how she's strategic. And he, he's really focused, uh, Lex in these journals is really focused on Lena r- going horseback riding without him. <laughs> he's really bothered by that. How dare you? How dare you go horseback riding without me, you monster? <laughs> he you g- know I love those horsies. <laughs> he, he goes on to say, Lena went riding without me again today. <laughs> Dear diary, <laughs> it's the third time this week. <laughs> I like to imagine. Have you ever, have you ever seen that GIF of like Ryan from The Office, like crossing people off of his list? Yes. Like that's what I imagine Lex Luthor. <laughs> and when he sees her in her riding outfit, he's like, "Not again." <laughs> he says, "I don't know where she goes." The stable boy will tell me when I ask, or I'll have his mother fired from the kitchens. <laughs> so extreme (laughs) he is so intense about this horse riding and he goes on he says i've thought about (laughs) i've thought about following her but i think the space allows her to realize how much she needs me and uh he goes on to say i've organized the novels in her room to be removed the next time she does it so he is really mad about this horse riding thing wait excuse me what (laughs) He's so mad about her going riding without him 
that he uh, that he is going to make it so that the novels, the the books in her room that she loves, are going to be taken out the next time she goes horseback riding without him. She he is so mad about this. Um, but I guess part of the reason that he's mad about it is because he wants her to be better. He says she should be educating herself, not disappearing into a world of fiction. And uh, he says something like, and maybe next time she'll learn not to ignore and it kind of trails off. But yeah, so he is really intense about these horseback riding adventures that Lena goes on by herself. Um, and there's one more thing that I thought was really interesting was that he writes something about, uh, I guess this is uh, the Luther family. We go to the Rockies or St. Barth's or Metropolis, but no, Kansas is where they've left me as I as though I'm not meant for anything greater. So I guess Lex Luther spent some time maybe in Smallville. Maybe ah, he went to Kansas. I don't know. Interesting. So I highly recommend if you want if you want some real insights into Lex Luthor, there's a lot of good stuff in these uh ent- these journal entries. Good stuff. So I think it said a lot about Lex, but I um but I agree with you that I liked that little flashback that we got between young Lex and young Lena and how he wanted to be successful so he could take her away and protect her. I thought that that was very endearing to, you know, this version of Lex, even if um, it endeared me to him because I have a big brother. And so, you know, my big brother looks out for me and and tries to help me when when I need help. And so I, I think that even if Lex is a psychopath, there's something in him that does want to love and protect Lena. So I did think that that was was great um, in terms of, you know, her interaction with her brother, because it seems to be really hostile and very uh, bad for her. But there there's something there like they do love each other in a weird way. So I, I wish we got more time with young Lex and young Lena. And if it was me, if this was my show, I would have maybe half a season I would do a whole season if I could of just comparing and contrasting the Danvers sisters with young Lex and young Lena. That's that's what I would do. Maybe just an episode. Let's let's just do it in an episode. See how it goes. But I would like to see more a time with them. Oh yeah, that would be so fa- like so fascinating because I feel like those are Car and Alex are is really the heart of the show and then you have this Lena and Lex relationship, which is weird. (laughs) (laughs) And it would be such a fun, it would be such a fun contrast to sort of like this, this really functional, strong sibling relationship compared and contrast to this, like very strange. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Do they even like each other? Are they trying to murder each other? relationship i mean that could have been such a so much of a bigger storyline throughout the season and i would have loved that yeah i i would love to see more about their uh relationship because i think there's as we've seen in these journal entries there's a lot to mine in their (laughs) in their relationship and i really liked the use of the chessboard because we've talked on supergirl radio before about how uh lena is very good at chess they've said that she's even a better chess player than lex is and uh we know from uh, superman red sun that chess plays a big 
part in that story between Superman and Superman Red Sun and the Lex Luthor in that story. So I like that they've brought the chessboard in here to play a little bit. I mean, a little bit of a big part in this episode. It's how she discovers um, that Lex has been leaving her a note, which I thought was super creepy that he leaves her this note that's just like a picture of Adam, this guy that she, oh my god, <laughs> that she like science killed, and <laughs> just just to let her know that he knew about it. Supergirl is like, wait, who is that? And uh, she's like, no, certainly not anyone I science murdered. <laughs> <laughs> she she uh, she's quick on her feet though. She's like, uh, no, the uh, July sixteenth is uh, about July sixteenth, nineteen eighteen, because that's a date that the Romanovs were killed. And uh, and executed in Russia. That's that's what it's about. I mean, that's that's clearly nothing about me and, and the man that I uh, science killed. Uh, but I do like that they left notes for each other in the chess pieces. And I think the one she picks up is the queen. Somebody can check that for me because I'm not really a chess player. But I think it was the queen. So I think that that if that's the case, I think that's a cool way to do that, that she would know to look for the queen because he would put it in the queen for her. Like maybe she leaves him notes in the king piece. I think that's 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 a pretty interesting thought. Yeah, that was really cool. I like that a lot. Their relationship is so strange. Okay, so (laughs) we had some time at Strikers, but we also had some time with the people on the other side of the equation uh, who were trying to capture Supergirl, who were trying to uh, summon her to get her to turn herself in. Uh, Well, I guess if they summon her, she's not really turning herself in. It's either or. She either turns herself in or the DEO is supposed to summon and capture her. So what did you think about Colonel Haley's like inner conflict with herself and what she was going to do uh, and the decision that she was going to make in this episode? I thought it was really interesting. I still, I'm like, I'm so back and forth on Colonel Haley. And I don't know if it's just we're getting different sides of the character or if the character has made a very strange shift in uh in the writing of her like i like is it in character maybe i guess (laughs) like i just don't i feel like they never really determined whether or not she was just a like 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 a bad person or just somebody who's very very into following the rules obviously where they're going now is like she's very into the rules but when she was trying to find supergirl's identity she seemed like she was like way over and above the call of duty on that one. So like, I don't, I feel like she has been a little bit all over the place this season, but maybe it's just because it, it felt like they were painting her as a villain for a little while. And then they sort of started to curve back around to her being sort of a, more of a three dimensional gray character. I don't know if I'm the only one who feels like that. I have to make a confession, Morgan. Yeah. Until just now, I had completely forgotten that she was trying to figure out Supergirl's identity. (laughs) Well, guess what? So did the show. (laughs) (laughs) I had completely forgotten about that. She's actually like, she is the reason why Alex had to have her memories wiped, which I mean, they haven't remembered on the show for quite some time nobody talks about it nobody talks about the fact that alex doesn't have her memories anymore it's just kind of faded into the background in a really strange way like when they first started doing this memory wave storyline i think we hated it and now it almost feels like 
they have forgotten they did it, which I felt like the only reason to do the memory wipe storyline would be to kind of use it as a way to highlight just how important the Danvers sisters are to each other and like how important Alex is for Supergirl. And I don't feel like that's what they've been doing with it, which is strange. It feels like they're taking this like huge dramatic storyline and then forgetting about it for episodes at a time. And the weird part is for me, I I think they've just, they've, not they haven't mentioned the memory wipe but they're still playing alex as if she was supergirl's sister yes does that feel like that to you because she's still on supergirl's side she's still fighting for supergirl she's still she wasn't at first but all of a sudden she became friends with supergirl and was uh, an ally for her and is now partnering with lena to help supergirl in this situation so it seems like it's the memory wipe has not really affected her much except for the you know the Danvers sisters couch time which is now a little awkward but that's about it yeah it it doesn't feel like they're using the memory wipe for anything in particular at this point like storyline wise that they couldn't have just done with her knowing Supergirl's identity so like don't really understand why they did it at all and I don't feel like they remember that they even did it like (laughs) she's she was willing to go to the mat for Supergirl and like disobey a direct order and which is something I would totally buy Alexander doing for her sister less I bought maybe buy it less for her doing for Supergirl even if she knows that like Supergirl didn't really do it I mean seems like it should have been a bigger deal for her to like I don't know. I mean, she was doing what she thought was the right thing. But at the same time, I feel like without that, like, sort of bracket of, well, you know, I know and trust my sister, that she's putting a lot of faith into somebody who, like, a couple of episodes ago, when they actually were exploring the memory wipe, she seemed like she was, like, shaky on. (laughs) Like, she thought, like, maybe three or four episodes ago, Alex was like, Supergirl's a little shady. (laughs) And now she's like, I'm I'm willing to risk it all. I know that none of us would like this, but the more interesting way to have played this, in my opinion, is if they went the route of the memory wipe, if at this point in the season, Alex would want to capture Supergirl. Yeah, you know what? I, I would have hated that, but at least it would have been, like, something I would understand why they did the memory way. Yes. Because this is, like, a story that they were trying to tell where, you know, everybody's upset and Kara obviously would be, like, destroyed by something like that. And there would be some, like, it would be tough for us all to watch, but there'd be some, like, big emotional stuff there where I feel like they dropped all of that and now it's almost as if like we're getting the same kind of stories that we would be getting if Alex knew I think that's my problem with it it's like why does she have to not know the secret if she's going to react exactly as if she she would as if she knew the secret especially if the whole reason that they removed her memory was so that Colonel Haley wouldn't know the secret identity, but now Colonel Haley seems cool with Supergirl. But now Colonel Haley is like literally like going to the mat for Supergirl and giving like, you know, disobeying a direct order for Supergirl is what could possibly be the reason if she's willing to disobey this direct order 
this direct order directly, <laughs> why does Alex at this point have to be memory wiped? She's not, she's clearly not looking for Supergirl's identity anymore and, and is in fact willing to disobey like a direct order to protect Supergirl. So... Which, which could <laughs> affect her reputation, her job, her yeah. service to the country, everything that she believes in. That's a pretty big deal for Colonel Haley. Yeah, she has taken like a giant leap in her feelings about like doing the right thing versus following orders. So I feel like at this point, like, can't they just go to her and be like, Hey, uh, so we cool, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I, that's why I think that's why her writing has bothered me a little bit because I don't feel like we have gotten, enough insight into this character to understand why he's made the turn from like literally full scale witch hunting uh supergirl's identity to like to uh, disobeying orders and protecting her and and li- basically lying to somebody who had a direct order from the president whatever that means <laughs> whatever that means whatever magical version of the government they have in supergirl <laughs> <laughs> on that earth uh y- I just don't understand. Like we haven't gotten enough with this character to see her go on that journey. So it's just, it doesn't, it bothers me from the perspective that that could have been an interesting place to go with that character and to like, to follow her with that. But it also, uh, every time I think of the mind wipe, I'm like, well, why is this still happening then? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand the choices that they've made with this mind wipe. Because now that I think about it, I I agree. I would hate it if Alex had uh, stayed mad at Supergirl with the mind wipe and went after her. But at least that would have been dramatic and a use of the mind wipe. And at the end of the season, if it was my show, there would be a big dramatic thing where Supergirl would have to prove herself to Alex, to Director Danvers, and then reveal herself to be her sister. I think that would have been a really emotional way to go about it. But hey, it's not my show. So I'm just <laughs> I'm just going I'm just going with it. But on the Alex and the Colonel Haley side of things, the memory wipe does not makes sense at this point. Because you could, to your point, you could still have done the same story without the mind wipe. What is the mind wipe accomplishing anymore? It, it, it feels like to me, if you're, if Colonel Haley is willing, I think that's what like keeps hitting me. If, if Colonel Haley is willing to do this thing to like not follow the rules, then there's no reason to have the mind wipe anymore because clearly if she's willing to do this thing, she would probably be willing to uh, not divulge Supergirl's identity uh, so because clearly she seems to have like turned a corner on like things are getting kind of bad. I, like I don't like the vibes that are happening here. <laughs> <laughs> bad vibe only. Uh, so I just don't. I don't know. I just don't understand what they're. The Colonel Haley stuff just bothered me because it felt like it's it's really jumped without us like being along for the journey. Like she just went from like I'm going to use this alien thing to search everybody's minds to uh yeah hit the watch twice i have i i just want to uh state for the record so that people can go back and listen i have been mostly pro uh i guess i guess another way we could say it is uh colonel haley positive 
uh, <laughs> for this season. Uh, I think she really proved herself to me when she made the sweet potato pie for her coworkers. That says a lot about a person. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. You spent time making a pie just to bring it in for other people. That's that's not a bad person. That is not an evil person. So I I was glad to see that Colonel Haley uh, had some some real. Uh, humanity to her in this episode i normally i would be very upset that uh, a colonel uh, who is i guess in some branch of the armed services i don't know i don't know i don't really know <laughs> who, what knows, her, who her, knows which i don't know her classification in the d like what's her relationship to the d i don't know i don't know i don't know anymore i don't know and we probably never will <laughs> i just give up but I I would normally be upset that she would be turning on her country and, and all of that. But I liked at least on on her, her, Colonel Haley's perspective, she went through those same kind of feelings and uh, acknowledged that struggle within herself. She wasn't just like Alex, who was like, whatever about the rules. Alex is like, the, the rules are for suckers. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I don't think Alex really takes it as seriously as other people might. But Colonel Haley, I felt, I felt a real weight on her about this in this episode where she talked about, you know, I prided myself on my loyalty to this country. And, and you know, and she really analyzed herself and looked inward about what she was doing. And that I felt okay with a little bit more because she took it seriously. So I appreciated that about Colonel Haley. And I think the actress is doing such a good job with the character. And I, I've really been enjoying what she's done recently, even if uh, the frustrations of the mind wipe are still there. Yeah, I, I also really liked her calling out the manipulativeness of Alex bringing <laughs> yes. her daughter into that. I oh, thought that yeah. was because because uh, I think that the the advice that um, Kelly gave her, which is like appeal to something you know about her, like about Colonel Kelly or something she cares about in order to get her to kind of understand your point of view was good. And Alex was like, cool, I'm going to take that. And I'm just going to like throw your daughter into the mix <laughs> and make you feel bad about things. <laughs> and I, I liked that. She like immediately called her and I was like, uh, it is not, I told, I have told you one personal detail about me in the entire time you've known me. And this is why, because you are the worst. <laughs> Which is weird because Alex's storyline, at least is as we should have seen it, I think, was that Alex wanted to be a mother. Oh, Alex doesn't remember that anymore either. <laughs> the mind wipe took care of that. <gasps> I don't know if we've ever talked about that. Does she know that she wanted a, a child? <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if, like, when the mind wipe reverts back, she was like, that's right, my storyline this season was supposed to be babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because oh, she gosh. certainly doesn't remember that right now. No, nobody remembers that. Oh, nobody does. Wow. Okay. I, I brutal. It, <laughs> I'm having a lot of realizations as we talk about this episode. It's funny. Apparently, I didn't remember this episode, but I have remembered some <laughs> of the season. <laughs> well, you know, I think that that really uh, we, we compliment each other in this discussion. Uh, so thank you for remembering the things that I have forgotten. 
Okay, so we talked uh, a little bit about both sides of the Supergirl equation, uh, but we have maybe another superhero in the making who is starting to sprout uh, black veins in his neck. Uh, What that's going to turn out to be, I don't know. We've seen James, uh, I guess, having super hearing and maybe a little telescopic vision and uh, some super strength. So what do you make about James going through, like, sprouting superpowers and also going through his uh, his PTSD therapy? You know, I think it's it's a, a good storyline for James. I have to say, I just spent the entire time chanting, turtle boy, turtle boy. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I care about at this point, um, which is uh, probably says a lot more about me than it does about the writing. Uh, <laughs> I do like that we're getting a little bit more of Kelly, um, and she's a little bit less, uh, I don't know, She's she's been a little cold in some of yeah, her other appearances. Yeah. I felt like she was a little bit warmer of a character, and like I kind of got a little bit better of a feeling for the fact that she cares about her brother and... Uh, and cares about what he's going through in this one versus like when he was about to die. And she was like, I mean, he's almost died like a million times. <laughs> Wake me up when he's a turtle boy. Uh, <laughs> but um, I'll say um, maybe my highlight, my personal highlight for this whole episode was when James is told to, um, to go to his happy place when he's, you know, when he's having a PTSD episode and his happy place is his office. <laughs> uh, I could not have stopped. I was not, I couldn't stop laughing. And I was like, at this point, is is the show trolling me? Is that, <laughs> does the show know about the desk theory? I was like, because of course, of course his office would be his happy place. It's where he lives. <laughs> well, and the, the shot that they actually show when it cuts to his happy place is him walking towards the desk. Towards the desk. So I think there's something to he it. Was going, he was going home. <laughs> <laughs> it's been the end of a long night. <laughs> I actually wrote in my notes, Morgan, uh, one of my bullet points was uh, James thinking of a safe place. And then I wrote, uh, while James is doing this, it cuts to him going to his CatCo office. And in parentheses, I wrote, which honestly made me laugh a little, given our jokes about his desk <laughs> in parentheses. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty funny, too, even though that I, sh- I should take that seriously. This is a real traumatic thing for him. Uh, but I did think that was pretty funny, uh, because, you know, that should be his happy place. That is his home. So I would like to think that that's the show acknowledging, uh, what we (laughs) think about James and where he lives. So, uh, I did think that was worth noting in my notes. And I, (laughs) and I agree with you that Kelly, I've started to come around to Kelly a little bit. It might have been her interaction with James. She had a good interaction with Alex. She was actually helping someone else with their problems. So I think I I think I've turned a corner and come around to Kelly a little bit because she's not as, like you said, cold as she was when we first met her. Yeah, I thought that that really helped getting to know her character a little bit more because we haven't actually seen a lot of Kelly so just having her sort of be there for Alex and be there for James, I think was a, a, a big step in to learn a little bit more about this character besides like she she's unflappable. 
like I think maybe they made her a little too unflappable in her first couple appearances <laughs> where it was like, maybe flap a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing with James that I'm not crazy about is that, um, I, and this maybe plays into the turtle boy wishes and dreams, but I'm not crazy that he's gotten Kryptonian powers. Maybe it's because the Harinel is a, a, a Kryptonian uh, element, I guess we could say. So I guess that makes story sense. But to me, I don't want to see a James that just has all of Kara's powers. But I just, it just, it's too, it's too much of the same thing. It feels samey for him to have all of Kara's powers. So I, I don't know. I don't know where they're going with this James having superpowers situation. But as of right now, I only like it because it's giving him something to do in terms of the PTSD. I think that's, that's a good story for James. But the superpower thing, I, I'm not, I'm not overwhelmingly positive about right now yeah i don't feel like he specifically needs superpowers like i don't know i mean i guess i don't know what they've been really doing with him this season but like yeah i agree i feel like everybody when they get any kind of super powers it's always kryptonian like (laughs) and also like last season we had Rain, and she had, like, some Kryptonian stuff. And this season, we have uh, Red, Red Daughter, Daughter yeah. Supergirl, who is clearly also got some Kryptonian stuff. It's like she's always fighting Kryptonians of some of some kind. Whenever anybody gets anything, it's always Kryptonian. It just kind of feels like enough already. Like, let, let's take a little break. Let's, uh... Let's get weirder. <laughs> like a turtle boy. Let's get weirder. Let's get turtle boy in there. Let's get uh, Director Bones. Let's let's go full weirdness. <laughs> go full, uh, you know, cyanide sweat. We're into that. <laughs> let's let's get into the cyanide sweat. <laughs> I I in in addition to your point that there's a lot of Kryptonian stuff going on and it's kind of overdone. I think it also is very strange for James's character because when we first met him, he was a, a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, photojournalist. He was, you know, kind of a hero in that regard. Then he decided, oh, crap, my camera broke. I need to be a hero in another way. And now this Guardian thing has presented itself. So I'm going to do that. And then he decided he would revert back to his journalistic side because the Guardian stuff wasn't working out. And now he's back to, I need to be, I guess maybe they're going back to that he needs to be a hero with powers. I don't, I don't understand what they're doing with James's character and what they're trying to say with him. I, I, I just, it seems like they keep flip-flopping back and forth between whether they, uh, whether or not they want him to be a newsman or they want him to be somebody who's going out there and fighting people. I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the superpowers are a negative for him. I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go with this. Yeah. To me, like in that scene when he's talking to the therapist and he's like, you know, I, I'm guardian. So I, and I was like, you are Yeah. like, uh, that's the first I've heard of that in like 15 episodes. (laughs) So, uh, news to me, bro. Uh, it's, it's, it feels like I, I was complaining earlier, um, that feels like, uh, she's only ever Kara or Supergirl. She's never like, there's not really a balance 
with her and it feels the same way with James. James is way worse though, I will say. Like they they do a better balance with uh with Cara than they do with James. James is only ever one thing or the other thing. When he's guardian, he's not doing anything else. When he's like James Olsening and living <laughs> under the desk, he's <laughs> We haven't heard about Guardian for many a moon, so it's it's a little strange. Like, strange. It feels like um, this storyline maybe would have served him better like two seasons ago when the Guardian stuff was real heavy. Yeah, and now it's like, does he even care about the Guardian stuff? Like we haven't seen him Guardian in a really long time. Yeah, and actually him having this conversation with a therapist during his Guardian time would have been really interesting. Maybe he would have disclosed his secret identity to her and that would that would have been a cool story. But yeah, I I don't I don't know what is happening with James and I I'm invested into it to see what they do with James as a character. But I'm going to be really honest. I'm just putting it out there. If they don't use this opportunity to make him Turtle Boy, I am going to legit be upset. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's I, I know it's a long shot. I know we shouldn't put all of our hopes and dreams on the turtley back of Turtle Boy. <laughs> but, I mean, heroes in a half shell, I need Turtle Boy. <laughs> turtle power. <laughs> I know this is so demanding. But you have an opportunity to give Jimmy Olsen superpowers. Lean into the comic bookiness of this. I it just I think some of my frustration with the show is that it doesn't use the source material enough. They might throw they might throw out like an Easter egg here and there, or they might borrow some like they might have Kara don a wig and call her Linda Lee. Like that's great, that's fine. But sometimes I don't think they they don't uh, kind of draw from the comics as much as I wish they would. Like, they have the Red Daughter stuff, and they're kind of pulling from that story. But with James, like, Jimmy Olsen has a lot of material in the comics. There's so much out there. Jimmy Olsen is a, is a character who has so much history behind him. Use his history. So I, I just, I just, I know it's silly. But I would be a little devastated if they don't do something <laughs> Turtle Boy with this because it's the perfect opportunity. It's like having an opportunity to introduce Director Bones and squandering it. It's 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 or or Snapper Car and not snapping and not snap or or having Mercy Graves and killing her off immediately. <laughs> it's just before she ever meets Lex Luthor, who's coming later in the season. Why would you squander those? I it just it just uh, it hurts me that they are squandering opportunities. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So uh, hopefully they will make this worth it, and it will be a good story in the end. I'm trying not to judge it too early. So I guess we'll we'll have to see what happens. Um, but I guess we should uh, wrap up our discussion. So, so what were your overall thoughts about crime and punishment? Now that you kind of remember what happened in the episode, <laughs> well, thank you for your notes, first of all. Uh, <laughs> but it turns it, it turns out that I had like a lot a laundry list of complaints uh, <laughs> that are maybe more about the season than the episode. I, I actually did enjoy this episode. I liked a lot of the aspects, like the uh, the Supergirl and Lena getting stuck in like a prison riot. I thought was like a really cool storyline. Uh, I liked, we didn't really talk about it, but the Nia and Brainy stuff I thought was really good. I love Brainy. I think he's been such a, such a joy all season. So funny. Um, and such a good character. Uh, the James stuff. I, I, I struggle to, 
to I mean unless I'm uh, unless I'm promised a boy I struggle to uh to care a lot about it uh but I just feel like that's for me that's maybe like a just an overall James thing where it's like it kind of feels like maybe they're just throwing something else at the wall for James hoping it'll stick and I'm like at this point maybe just tired of them like 180ing his character every five episodes um but i overall i thought it was a good i thought it was a pretty good episode i wish i wish we were done with the agent of liberty stuff i I wish that so so intensely uh (laughs) but but you know what here we are here we are we're 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 in this we're in this now we have no choice so uh i'm choosing i'm choosing to focus on the lex luther stuff which i i legitimately have been enjoying a lot this season and not on some of the other stuff instead <laughs> we are in the home stretch it uh, it feels like the season has lasted two seasons. We have uh, lived a thousand lives <laughs> over the course of this season, but we are now in the home stretch. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> so let's just focus on the good things, I guess. Um, but I would ag- I would agree with you that overall, I think this was a good episode. They had some good character moments especially for supergirl i always love any episode that has a lot of good supergirl and Kara stuff maybe it's some things supergirl didn't want to hear but maybe it's some things that she needed to hear uh so i did like that i think colonel haley got some good character moments in this one uh lena luther had a, <laughs> a lot of great things in this episode <laughs> love the likes journal entries love oh my them. god so good if if i could ever get something from the show like if they were like rebecca you have one choice uh we're gonna give you a prop from the show uh and just just pick one i'd be like give me one of those lex luther journals i would take it um so i thought the lena stuff was good in terms of her relationship with lex um i thought some of the james stuff was good like him going to see and uh see a therapist and getting help for his his problem i thought was a good positive thing for him i thought kelly was better in this episode um but there was a, a weird uh, transition editing choice that I thought was really strange. I know this is kind of nitpicky, but there's a there's a, a scene where it goes from Alex's heart to heart with Kelly, and it cuts straight into Brainy walking us through his scrubbing of the alien registry list. And it felt like we were like hopping into the middle of a of a sequence. I don't know if they had to cut this episode down for time but it just felt really choppy and it it didn't sit well with me even the second time i watched it i was like oh this feels weird so i i thought some of the the way some of this episode was structured was very strange but uh that's just a nitpicky thing as an editor it felt uh, somebody who edits every every day uh, of my life for years uh it just felt strange to me in the way that that was cut together but uh, that's just a, a nitpicky thing in terms of the technical aspect of uh this episode but i thought what it did for supergirl and for kara especially in terms of her being a reporter i thought it was a positive step for her character so i did enjoy that 
Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about crime and punishment. Um, our first tweet is from Mark HBPWM, who said, love the episode. Love the big fight with Otis. It's springtime, so I have to accept the plot holes along with the potholes. Uh, <laughs> but I know you're going to ask, why not resurrect Mercy too? I think, do you really trust these writers to do that without making a stupid love triangle with Eve? That is the question, Morgan. So would we be okay with a love triangle if it meant we got Mercy back? Huh. Okay. So that's a good question. I'm really, I'm searching my soul here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Bring back Mercy, please. <laughs> I hate love triangles. I hate them. They're never good. Uh, no one ever really likes them. TV writers of the world, no one wants this. Everyone dislikes them. No matter which side of the triangle you line up with, no one likes them. It's it's uh, it's just we're we're tired of them, but I would probably put up with one if it meant I got Mercy back because it was pretty glaring in this episode because they killed Otis off again and they rec they resurrected him again but they're not going to bring Mercy back. What the heck is that? I know. I did not like that. I did not like that. So yes, I would put up with a love triangle with Eve and Mercy and Lex if it meant we got Mercy Graves back. I'm 100%. I mean, I, I also feel like I would be in for that love triangle because that's a love triangle in which uh, the center spoke does not care about either of the side spokes. <laughs> <laughs> so like Mercy and, and Eve would be like competing over Lex's affections and Lex is like the damn horses. <laughs> <laughs> Lex is taking all of the uh, all of the Dan Brown books off of Lena's shelves. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That actually would be the best possible uh, combination for a love triangle. Actually, that I would enjoy because uh, just to see them uh, fight for his affection when he would not be having it. That would actually be very amusing when he's just like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, who are you going to pick? He's like, which, whatever, roll a dice. <laughs> Flip for it. Oh, that's great. Um, so our next tweet comes from at SL Fricky, who said, I just realized that Brainy's uncertainty about the future is confusing since he's an actual time traveler from the future. Uh, shouldn't he know some stuff about the 21st century? If not, surely he was left here with means of contacting the Legion so he could ask? That's actually a good question. Great questions. Wouldn't something like scrubbing the alien registry, wouldn't that be a notable thing in the future? I feel like it would. Um, maybe a bigger question. Do you think the writers remember he's from the future? <laughs> Um, no, it, it it does seem it does seem strange that he wouldn't uh, either know about it or I mean, he got that Legion ring back, so he could uh, phone a friend. I, I'm <laughs> sure Monel is picking up the phone occasionally. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. Uh, at Ty underscore Gavin said, I think Kara had a much easier time escaping a prison riot than Matt, than Matt Murdock had. Yeah, I'm not uh, hip to the Daredevil stuff yet, so I guess uh, that's correct. I will assume that's I, correct. I think, I think that is correct. Uh, but you know what? She does have 
really big superpower. So, <laughs> I mean, she had a little help there. She had a little help. Uh, at VH451 uh, said, again, with the repeal of the act, that's not an act. <laughs> Civics aside, I really enjoyed watching Kara and Lena working together. Looking forward to seeing how the Red Daughter, daughter arc will be resolved. Um, at Electra WWF said it was surprising to find out that Kara actually shows up to work enough to write <laughs> most of the good stuff at CatCo. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to Electra. Uh, I see we are of one mind. Uh, she goes on to say, looking forward to seeing more of Kara Danvers, journalist, in the next episode. Do you think that Kara's going to be confused that she has to like show up to work when she decides to be a journalist? <laughs> what is this cubicle? <laughs> Um, at Danvers Girl said, I love the episode and just about everything in it. But is it feeling repetitive to you guys, too, that Kara keeps having to be reminded of the power of the press? I feel like she's always learning that lesson, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, I feel that way a, a little bit, too, that it's it's something that I think she should be uh, more able to put together. I th- I'm hoping that now that she's put it together, that Kara Danvers can accomplish a lot more than Supergirl in some situations that maybe that will click for her more often. Yeah, I I do agree. I do feel like she learns this very important lesson uh, at least five times per season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At Patty Mello 20 said, I'm so happy that Supergirl is good again. We've been through so much to get here. (laughs) So much. Oh, God, so much. Uh, (laughs) uh, Lena and Kara teaming up was amazing. Their friendship was something that was missing on the show. Uh, Is Haley's daughter an alien? Is that why she was concerned uh so so james has superpowers now and then that like emoji where it's like the lady with the hand over her face but like (laughs) that's what that's what she and i understand but listen before you write that story off may i just say two words that are in combination turtle and boy (laughs) (laughs) oh we are gonna be so devastated if that does not happen so disappointed and you know it's not going to (laughs) Snapper, snap, Rebecca. It's not going to happen. We're, we are setting ourselves up for a, a, a big fall. Such a big fall. Going to hurt. Um, the question is, Haley's daughter an alien? I don't think so. She mentioned that her teacher, that, that her her daughter had a teacher that she loved that who was an alien. So I think that was the, the bigger emphasis on the alien uh, connection to Colonel Haley. Yeah, that's, that's the impression I got as well. Um, and our last tweet comes from uh, at... Corey Elena, who says, love how things are slowly being fleshed out. Characters, relationships, plot lines, you name it. This season is turning out to be one of the best by far. And super excited for a dreamer-centric plot line next episode. And then like a smiley face uh, with like a little bit of blushing, like a happy smiley face. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I actually like hearing from a perspective of somebody who is like, this is such a great season. I feel like maybe open call. If you have been, uh, da, 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 I'm loving it this season. <laughs> uh, uh, send us, send us, um, why? <laughs> yes. I, I, I would actually echo that call. That would be a good to hear those kind of perspectives. Cause I think we've been kind of up and down with it. I feel like this season has been a, an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, and so at this point in the season, we're pretty late in the season now. Uh, and I'll, I'll just be frank. I'm, I'm tired from the roller coaster. Uh, I think 
because we'll get some episodes that I really, really enjoy. And I think, well, this is one of the best episodes we've had of the season or even the series. And then like the next episode, I'm like, why? (laughs) Well, we have an email from Danae who writes, quote, to me, the most emotional part of this episode was Lena. You could see her get more and more devastated throughout the episode, having to read what Lex had thought about her since she was four. And then when she finds his secret lab, she can't even fully research it. And I love the comparison with Anastasia since it's my favorite princess movie. And I actually had some... uh, notes about Anastasia because I hadn't seen the Disney it's a Disney movie right there is a Disney no you know what it actually is not a Disney movie which uh blew my mind the first time I found out about that it was a it was some other animation company but it looks (gasps) it looks exactly like a Disney movie I had always assumed for years so for years I thought it was and then I, I read somewhere that it wasn't a Disney movie and I was like what? <laughs> well, my whole life has been a lie. That explains why Anna, there's no Anastasia at Disney World. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like I was in like a Bernstein, Bernstein Bears universe where I was like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, but actually the Anastasia, uh, when I was doing some history research, I think that's referring to the Grand Duchess, Grand Duchess Anastasia of Russia, who was the youngest daughter of Tsar Nicholas II, the last sovereign of Imperial Russia. Um, and so there was a lot of um, question about her death, whether she had died along with her family. Um, and I think they, I think the research I was doing said that there was uh, scientific analysis that included DNA testing, confirming that the remains, uh, that she was killed along with her family. So I think they did finally confirm that. But uh, I, do, I do like that idea that that maybe, you know, the Luther family is is almost a, a royal family and that, you know, uh, Lena in this royal family is is the lost daughter, is the lost princess. I think that's a cool way to look at the Luther family. We have an email from Gina who wrote in to say, one of my favorite things about the episode was how you actually saw Supergirl in action. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen her be an action hero. I know her biggest superpower is not using her actual abilities and using words to finish the job, but sometimes I just need to see a good hallway fight of her swatting prisoners like flies <laughs> or, or fighting Metallo Otis in a prison gym or dishing out that thunderclap. <laughs> <laughs> It's just good fun, and even though she might not have felt like it this season, it shows everyone she is still a badass. I would agree with that. I got really excited when we were getting that hallway fight. I was like, yeah, that's I, I'm in for this. Because, you know, Arrow, that other show on the CW that I'm not as crazy about, um, <laughs> it prides itself on its action sequences, and they, they do a lot of hallway fights. I, I know uh, Green Arrow had had some. Black Canary had one that was pretty cool one time. So they... They do a lot of that. So it was neat to see Supergirl get one of those hallway fights where she just, like, takes out everybody. But I also appreciated in that fight that she uh, slid on the ground so that she – because she could really hurt those guys. They're just human beings. So I like that she slid on the ground to evade them and then locked them back up. So she she kind of roughed up a few of them, but she she didn't do as much damage as she could have. So I really appreciated that uh, character-wise from her. 
Well, Abby writes in uh, asking, do you think the show portrayed the after effect of Supergirl's actions against the, uh, well, in print, uh, in quotation, Supergirl, we know she is a red daughter, uh, Supergirl's <laughs> actions against the White House correctly or adequately? I keep thinking back of similar events that the United States and the world have faced. I'm glad the show explored the different reactions people had. For example, the man in the car who uh, Supergirl saved, Colonel Haley, the uh, striker prisoners, and Mackenzie, the reporter. I hope we continue to see these different sides, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on it as well. So what do you think about that, Morgan? Do you think that they've uh, showed what it would really be like if Supergirl uh, was seen attacking the White House? Huh. I, I think that's a good question. I don't know that I think that we would uh, revert to martial law. I don't like I feel like we have had some bad stuff um, happen to us in the past. And uh, I don't remember there being a curfew. So um, that seemed a little bit like far fetched to me, I think. But um, but I do think that like the idea of there being sort of like a blowback from this uh, attack is something that that was interesting to see play out on the show and like what would happen and uh, what would the repercussions be not just for Supergirl but for you know the people living in the United States and for the aliens and, and stuff like that so I, I like that they didn't just sort of blow over the fact that that's air quotes Supergirl did this like really dramatic thing at the end of the last episode and, and sort of like are playing with the repercussions. Yeah, I think the the world's reaction, and, well, and is specifically uh, the United States reaction, the people who are living in the country where she normally is, I think that reaction feels real to me that they, you know, especially that guy she saved in the car. Like, he's like, thank you for saving my life. But what are, what are you doing? Like, what's what's going on here? Um, uh, so I think that that stuff kind of on the ground with the the humans, even even there would be some people who, who maybe would take up arms against Supergirl. Not that it does them any good. She can just catch the bullets like we saw in the beginning of the, this week's episode. But I think there would be some people who would try, you know, even like uh, some of the soldiers maybe would try to, to go after her. Some of those prisoners. I think that that seems like a. Uh, a real thing that people would feel like they want to do something to stop her. But then it also seems strange that nobody's wanting to talk to her. Nobody, you know, like where where are the news people who want to interview her and find her and and get the get the the word from Supergirl? Why did you do this? You know, ask ask her these questions. Why isn't the president? The president wants her to turn herself in. But why wouldn't the president also be like, Supergirl, come, we need to have a talk, we, you know, because he's had a relationship with her that was good and was positive. So I some of some, some of that I struggle with because it, it doesn't seem like anybody's going straight to the source. Why is everybody just making assumptions about Supergirl? I, that I don't understand. But I think from Carr's perspective, I think it's good for her to step out of being Supergirl and get get the truth so that she can then present it to the country um, and to the, the broader world. So I, yeah, I go back and forth on it. Yeah, I agree. I, I was, I was a little like, I don't, I don't, I don't know of all the times to not get, not, not start the Supergirl channel. <laughs> this, is a, this is a strange one. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm just on TV too much. And I just feel like people are sick of me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we have an email from Alex who writes, as usual, the Supergirl writers have left me confused. 
Uh, by the end of this episode, it appeared the message would be Cara Danvers' power of the press was more powerful than Supergirl, and only a free media could give people the truth. Even though most of the episode seemed to criticize how quickly the media turned on Supergirl <laughs> without first investigating the facts. Oh, uh, even Otis spoke about how he did not trust the press because they parachute into crises like this without any context for larger systemic issues at play. The puzzled look on Kara's face at Otis's surprisingly thoughtful statement made me laugh out loud. That was one of the best parts of the episode. Uh, it reminded me of there's a 30 Rock episode. I forget which one, uh, which one it is, but I think it's uh, it's pretty early on in the show's run where they think Tracy is like uh they don't think that he is literate and so they they kind of tiptoe around him and then it turns out that tracy is like this really smart guy who reads a lot and is educated on the issues so (laughs) so that that uh situation with otis reminded me of that um which didn't also make me laugh but that's a really good point that it was very contradictory in the episode about the the commentary about the press and uh they even uh, have at the end of the episode where uh, this uh, news affiliate, I guess, KGMQ reports that Supergirl attempted to free the prisoners from Strikers Island, which is, from our perspective, we know that that's not true because we know that Supergirl was not trying to set them free. She was trying to handle a situation that Otis put into play. But to the public, to KGMQ, that's what they know. That's what they've seen. That's what they have to go on. They don't know anything else. That's that's those are the facts that they're dealing with. So I have a a lot of sympathy for these news organizations because they're just going on based what they know. So I think it's really important for Kara to really get the truth out there and, and give them those facts so that they can have the broader picture. So, yeah, I, the commentary about the press is very uh, I don't know that the show has really nailed down what it's trying to say. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, overall, my biggest complaint about the whole season is ba- could basically be summarized in that. Like, I just don't know that, <laughs> that they've nailed down what they're trying to say. I think I, think I know what they're, they think they're saying, but then the show sometimes contradicts what they think they're saying. <laughs> so Maybe they're just trying to get us to think about it for ourselves and really figure out what we think about it. I think that's, that's true. Maybe it's like a like, well, but what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> and Daryl asks the question, how did Lex come into his powers faster and more smoothly than James? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I preparation, maybe <laughs> preparation. Maybe Lex has had superpowers before. Maybe he's uh done some or maybe he he had the hair and L, so maybe he did some tests on himself i don't know I, but that is a good question that he did seem to uh it did seem to kick in faster for him and he was able to control it faster i don't know if the ptsd is slowing james down that seems like the only thing that might be a little different yeah i could see that or m- maybe it's just that like he was expecting it and james is like what's happening to me yeah and james also didn't necessarily want it it was uh put in him because it was used to save his life whereas lex was like 
I, I gave myself cancer and I guess it's needed to save my life, but I, I also just really, I wanted this. So, <laughs> uh, so I don't know if the intention uh, also makes a difference. And uh, so Miriam wonders um, if Lena saw Kara's outfit changes over the security feed in Lex's hidden room. I don't think she does. We're, we're not actually shown that she's watching the feed when Supergirl fights uh, Otis. But maybe she was. Here's a big question that I had while I was watching the episode uh, that's, I guess, a little like tangentially related to this email. Why doesn't Otis know that Kara is Supergirl? Because Lex does. And so does Eve, apparently. So why is Otis the only one in the uh, Lex Luthor organization of minions who wasn't let in on that secret? Would you trust that dum-dum? I guess not. No. <laughs> I mean, we found that he's not necessarily the dum-dum that we thought he was, but mostly he's a dum-dum. So I don't know that I would trust him with that big secret, but that's just me personally. That do- that Okay, that explains it a little bit better to me because I was like, when she was like, oh, it's just me, Cara Danvers, a <laughs> journalist. I was like, uh-oh. Like, she's, she's, she's busted. And then he was like, Oh, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> All right. I guess that worked. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we have an email from New Rachel who writes, quote, I really enjoyed Brainy in this episode, especially the scene with his narration, although I couldn't hear it because my CW was having audio issues. I feel that, New Rachel. That <laughs> happens to me a lot. Uh, she goes on to say, and I do hope that deleting the alien registry won't come back to hurt him. I also appreciate that he and Nia seem to be getting along better in the end, as even though I don't ship them, I'm still rooting for their friendship, unquote. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed their interaction in this episode, and uh, I liked and I liked and appreciated the fact that their big kiss, they weren't really dramatic about it. They kind of acknowledged it, and I think Nia even sort of jokes about it a little bit. So it seems like they've gone back to kind of just being friends and being there for each other. So I, I, I like their relationship a lot. Me too. I, I really like any time that they, they have it, interactions. I think they're a, like a really fun, um, I was going to say couple, but, you know, they're really fun characters to see uh, talk to each other. So our last email comes from William, who asks a question about Kara Zor-El, writing, One of my frustrations with Kara Zor-El is how normal she is. Unlike Clark, she came to Earth as a teenager. Shouldn't she act like it? If a 13-year-old African-American male moved to Cameroon, wouldn't he stick out? His preference for music, clothing, and the media he consumed would all be influenced by his formative years occurring in another country. Uh, Kara is from another planet, one that is hundreds of years more advanced than Ours. A person born in 1988 would struggle with the relative primitiveness of 1788. Realistically, she'd keep Calyx 2 in her apartment, not the fortress. Uh, nothing about Carr's intimate space. Her apartment is reminiscent of Krypton. The furniture, art, and lighting is all 20th century Earth. She's never expressed frustration at the cultural differences between National City and Argo. She's just, uh, she's too adjusted. In the opening, she states she's a refugee, which by definition, she isn't. Uh, but she's as American as apple pie. Your thoughts on that, Morgan? I think that is an interesting one. I think that that's, um, that's something that they didn't really establish in the beginning of the show. And I think that they probably would have. Like, I think that's a season one thing that they would have had to establish. Um, but also, you know, 
actually, never mind. I was going to say, going. We we've seen her her sort of childhood. We've seen her and like flashbacks of her and Alex. And she, yeah, I think the the email does make a point. She never seemed like she was part of her problem adjusting was that she was like oh god this is what you use to communicate or anything like that which would make sense I mean Krypton was a, a very scientifically advanced uh, civilization and so you would think that Earth would confuse her a little bit um, at least when she was like in the flashbacks that we've seen but she kind of seemed like a normal teenager in all of those flashbacks just out of place. So I feel like there is something to be said about that. Yeah, we do know that Kara had issues dealing with her her newfound superpowers that she got when she got to Earth, and we saw her struggle with how she fit in at school. But then there was, uh, in that Midvale episode, we heard her kind of scoff at uh, the math that she had to do because she was so much smarter than them. That is true. So it seemed like even when she uh, was different from them, she felt a little hoity-toity about it. Like she didn't seem to have any problems per se. It wasn't a struggle for her to fit in so much because she she felt like she was better than them because she, I mean, she obviously was. She was probably very, uh, at least smarter than the, the kids at Midvale. So there, there were good things in the flashback trying to show us how she was struggling with being an earthling now in terms of uh, having to put aside her, you know, her superpowers, putting the glasses on. Um, and, and we have seen her dive into her Kryptonian side a little bit throughout the show. She's had to lean into her Kryptonian faith and some of the customs and the language, uh, at least a little bit. So we have gotten to see some of her uh, bringing part of her customs back into uh, her life. Um, but in terms of her... Uh, uh, dealing with that as a teenager, you're right. We didn't see a ton of that. Um, I do like the idea that maybe she should have a Kellex in her apartment. But at the same time, that would be too much of a giveaway. She would struggle with having to deal with that with, you know, what if Lena came over and Lena discovered a Kryptonian robot <laughs> in her, her studio apartment? That would be a, a struggle for her. So I think the show is trying to show some of her Kryptonian aspects. But I think at the point that, you know, we've seen her, she's already sort of worked through some of that. At least the car that we see now, she's already kind of assimilated to Earth. She's uh, developed earthly customs. She's 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 an earthling now uh, as, in, as far as uh, uh, becoming a citizen of America, a citizen of Earth. So I think that we've we've just kind of missed some of that. I wish they would flash back to that more and see and let us see how she adjusted to to Earth. That would be something I would be uh, into seeing more of. Yeah, I agree. It's just she's been on at this point in the show. She's been on Earth for so long. I think it would seem a little strange if she was just still like, oh, really? That's what you call a cell phone? Yeah. At this at this point, she's already she's already um, she's already figured that stuff out. It's like you've been here for a while. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, too, struggle with the the opening where she talks about being a refugee. And I, I've had conversation with people trying to understand the term because at one point I was told that there was a difference between being an immigrant and being a refugee. And then at one point I was told they were the same thing. So I don't really understand it. I thought refugees were people who uh, were fleeing war-torn countries but wanted to go back to their homes and uh, that— Immigrants were people who were or basically were uh, going to another country wanting to live there permanently and not going back to their homes. I don't understand those terms. If anybody has any thoughts about the distinction between that, send them in. We'd love to discuss them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the the whole thing is just um, I think the show would uh, would do better if in the flashbacks if they showed us more of her struggle because i think it would be neat to to see how car really did learn how to adjust to to being on earth so i think that's a good point uh well and we have a voicemail from mauricio hey spooker radio mauricio here and welcome back after another long long hiatus so james has powers can't wait to see that if it comes out for this this season or next season and I really liked the prison scene. Um, if anyone's seen the Ray Redemption to any of the podcast with listeners, it kind of reminded me of that scene with the hallway with all the fighting and all that. Good movie, too. But anyways, here's my question or something. For season five, with the exception of Lex, is there any villains you're wanting to see next season? Because this, this, this episode got me thinking, huh, what are we going to do for next season? Anyways, thanks. And his question for us this week is uh, for season five, with the exception of Lex, so we can't mention Lex in this answer. Are there any villains we would want to see on the show next season? I feel like it's got to be director Bones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If only for that cyanide sweat. There's so many ways they could bring him into the show. He would be a great villain. Like put him in the DEO and cause chaos at the DEO. I would be into it. Who was the villain from the um, Adventures of Supergirl comic book? Well, I mean, there was Facet. Yeah, Facet was my girl, especially that moment when she like dropped out of the the sky <laughs> and just like glared like, I can't believe this is happening. So if we could get like a live action version of that, that'd be amazing. <laughs> iconic. Never forgetting that panel. <laughs> yes, iconic. <laughs> Uh, yes, I would be into it. It would be cool if they introduced Facet. I would be into that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Superman villains out there. I, I think uh, or the ones that what I would like the show to do is dig into the Supergirl villains. I would really love that. I think Rampage, you talk about Adventures of Supergirl. Rampage is a really great character in uh, in that series uh, that I thought uh, Sterling Gates did a really great job with. I would love to see Rampage on the show. Uh, it would make my dreams come true if they brought Snapper Car back to become Starzar. Yes. I, I would be into that. Um, and I was actually reading through, I've been doing a Supergirl reading uh, project going through the comics. And I finished the Silver Age uh, a few weeks ago. And I really, one of the stories in the Silver Age is actually kind of a multi-issue story. In the Silver Age, a lot of stuff was like a one-shot and done. But there were a couple of comics that focused on this character named Lesla Lar. And she was a Kryptonian who lived in the bottle city of Kandor. And (laughs) And she wanted to take over Supergirl and Linda's life and she also had uh, aspirations to take over the world she did not think small she was thinking big uh you know global domination um i would love to see her on the show 
I really wish the show would dig into those Supergirl. I mean, we got uh, a, a Dick Malvern, a kind of a, a kind of a Dick Malvern on the show. I would love to see Lesla Lar, Supergirl writers, dig her up from the Silver Age. I would be so into that because those were the issues. The Super, the Silver Age. This is kind of a nerdy thing, but the the Silver Age comics and those issues they kind of repeated themselves. There was a there was a formula to those stories. Like you kind of knew something would happen, and then something would happen three times, and then they would wrap up the story. And it was usually kind of the same thing every time. When I was reading through, I was like, "Oh, this again, this again, this again." But when I got to those Lesla Lar issues, that I mean, she now the story. To be fair, it did repeat itself because she would take over Linda's life and then she would get put back into the bottle city of Kandor and then she would go back and she would get out and then she would get put back. So it did it did repeat itself, (laughs) but it was something different um, that uh, Linda had to deal with. And I thought Leslie Lar was such an evil, evil character. And I really enjoyed those issues. So my if we can't have director bones. I think my next choice would be Lesla Lar. I would li- I would really love to see that character pop out of the Silver Age and onto the show. That would be amazing. So I everybody should look her up. She's great. Before we wrap up our feedback, we have some Snap Judgments uh, sent in by our listeners. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So our first set of snap judgments are from Danae. What should James do first with his powers? Build himself a home (laughs) or (laughs) become Turtle Boy? Turtle Boy. Yeah, I gotta go Turtle Boy because here's the important part. He has a home and it is under his desk. (laughs) (laughs) He's already got that first part. He's already got that great home. Why does he want a new one? (laughs) Uh, It's his happy place. Um, Okay. (laughs) Which reveal will come sooner? That Lena killed Adam or that Kara is Supergirl? Ooh, I would love it if Kara learned about... Uh, Adam, the the man that uh, Lena science murdered. Yeah, I feel like uh, she wouldn't be super supportive of what happened there. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and Lena's trying to hide it from Supergirl, so I think it would be cool if that came out. Yeah, I agree. I think that that would be an interesting one. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one. I feel like that's also apparently, uh, apparently we can't have Lena knowing Supergirl's identity. It's just not something that we can do. So <sighs> I feel like it's it's more likely that we're going to learn uh, uh, that that secret will come out than the Kara Supergirl one, unfortunately. All right. So our next set of snap judgments are from Gina. She said Supergirl versus the prisoners or Supergirl versus the flying monkeys from season three. Uh, as much as I like that hallway fight, I'm going to give it up for Supergirl versus the flying monkeys because it had that awesome shot where she used her heat vision so that's my choice. Yeah, I feel like uh, anytime you can choose flying monkeys, you have to choose flying monkeys. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be mine. Okay. Brainy acting like Ethan Hunt or Brainy acting like a dude bro? A dude bro. Yeah, dude bro. <laughs> uh, which is more confusing? Uh, presidential orders on Earth 38 or how Alex's mind wipe works? <laughs> Oof. Oof. This is a t- this is a this is a puzzler you've given us. 
I un I okay. Here's here's my justification. <laughs> I know we don't have to explain this, but I feel like for this question, I do. So <laughs> the presidential orders slash executive orders, I I'm not as confused by them because I I think they just have gotten them wrong. <laughs> I think they just don't know how things work. I think they're confused, but they don't know it. Yeah. Whereas with Alex's mind wipe, I'm genuinely confused and I don't understand how it operates. Yeah, that's uh, uh, down to the reasoning that is my choice, <laughs> choice as well. I just I feel like I understand what happens with the presidential order, um, which is that they don't understand how that stuff works. <laughs> but the, Alex, the, the uh, specifics of Alex's mind wipe are a never ending mystery to me. <laughs> and uh, and I feel like to uh, to everyone. <laughs> Um, okay, so we have a, a set of snap judgments from Abby. Uh, she says, what would you want to add to your dream national city residence? Lexus Secret Lair or the Luther Treehouse? Ooh, I like this question. I like this, this snap judgment. Uh, I really actually liked the Luther Treehouse. It, it, did, it did seem very homey, but like my dream in life has been to have a secret layer <laughs> that you can access through like pushing a panel or like grabbing a book or an old sconce, perhaps like a, just a, just a nice sconce, I think. Uh, so I got to go with that one. <laughs> I do appreciate that the secret layer made Lex carving that uh, uh, elaborate painting. It's not a painting, but the elaborate carving it it made it justified the existence of that. I appreciated that. Yeah, that was that was the greatest. Um, okay, Lena playing at Super Friends game night or solving Lex's games slash puzzles. Solving Lex's games and puzzles. Oh yeah, I I would definitely go. I mean, the stakes are a little higher <laughs> <laughs> when she's solving Lex's games and puzzles. I mean. Um, especially if she has been out horseback riding that day, <laughs> then things are really real. Then things have gotten very, very real. <laughs> um, okay. Lena in the red dress or the leather jacket with the floral blouse. Why would you not pick Lena in a red dress? I mean, that's a, I think that's a good question. I think you gotta go red dress, but I know you liked the leather jacket. I loved that leather blazer because I feel like you see a lot of leather jackets and they make sense. And uh, a leather jacket makes sense. A leather blazer, however, is is, is a, just off enough to be a Lena Luther choice where it's like, I know what this fashion like would usually be. And and yet you've uh, you've zigged when I thought you would zag. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, so, okay, our last snap judgment is from Stu, who said, Lena never learns that Carr is Supergirl, but the writers actually start depicting the presidency accurately. Or, Lena does learn that Carr is Supergirl, but henceforth, the president is depicted with a crown and a throne <laughs> with no explanation. <laughs> this is one of my favorite snap judgments we've had in quite some time. This is complicated. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump in there. Okay, go for it. Uh, <laughs> first off, we get Lena learning about Carr's uh, identity. And also, 
a crown and a throne. I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones, and I feel like that seems right. <laughs> I want the president to sit on an iron throne in this universe. It only seems like it goes along with everything else we know about how things work here. <laughs> it would maybe make more logical sense with everything we've learned. <laughs> we would just go back to being part of England, I guess. Exactly. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, American Revolution never occurred, and uh, we just went back to a monarchy. I mean, it would be great for, for Katie because she could just go do, like, her real accent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she has played uh, people who have been associated with royal thrones, so that's right up with her alley. Uh, I am going to... Uh, pick the American answer. I when I was in Disney World, I I bonded with Sam mm-hmm. the Eagle uh, a lot and have really been channeling a Sam Eagle uh, since then. So I am going to choose Lena. Never learns that Car is Supergirl, but the writers actually start depicting the presidency accurately. <laughs> I feel like Sam Eagle would back me up on this. He definitely would. So that is my choice for that snap judgment. No judgments on your snap judgments. Well, that is going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on crime and punishment. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail uh, by calling 678-718-7252. And just a reminder, make sure to write and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have not only our episodes, our podcast episodes, but we have a musical playlist of music featured on and inspired by the show. We are also on Radio Public and Podchaser. You can find us listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find all those links that I've mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Mark for the DC TV plug. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV podcast network. So if you like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Here's a hint. Don't trust Zod. Titans, Batwoman, or classic DC TV shows, or the upcoming Swamp Thing and Stargirl shows. You can subscribe to the Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Derby Kid and Instagram at The Derby Kid. And uh, even though we t- personally on Supergirl Radio took a break from podcasting because of the Supergirl uh, sort of mini hiatus, I did not stop podcasting, though. I was pretty busy. Uh, so since I voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fagus, I just recently participated in a big behind-the-scenes roundtable with some of the other cast members from The Fagus uh, to talk about our experiences and being part of the show. And so I shared about some of the things that I struggled with as a, as a voice actress uh, <laughs> and uh, just some of the things that uh, uh, of me 
me personally that have inspired the character of Leanne. So that's pretty cool. I had a lot of fun doing that. I'm also a contributor to Justice League Universe podcast. And so I recently recorded an episode with Sam Otten about Black Manta and his father, who I am lovingly calling Papa Kane from now on. Uh, And I also recorded a week's worth of episodes for DC Cinematic Minute to discuss minutes number 106 through 110 of Suicide Squad. So if you really want you some Rebecca Johnson in your life, (laughs) there are lots of ways to get some uh, uh, aside from Supergirl Radio. So I had a lot of fun being part of all those podcast episodes. I will definitely have to check out a lot of those. (laughs) You have been very busy. So busy. Lots of podcasting. Um, if you want to find me on the interwebs, you can find me uh, at tw- on Twitter and uh, Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Uh, if you didn't know, that show's back. <laughs> uh, so, and we've been talking about it. We've been talking so much about it. In fact, uh, in last week's episode, special, a special little treat for you Supergirl Radio fans, uh, we might have stolen in the mon scale yeah if you have missed the mon scale if you've been like <laughs> what am i missing in my life why does it feel so empty and you realize that the answer was the mon scale <laughs> uh we have it there as well we, we have implemented it because uh uh there's actually a somewhat controversial character on legends that starts with the uh, mon so it felt right <laughs> i love it I love that the Mon scale has new life on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. The Mon scale lives on. <laughs> I am I am immensely delighted about that. So uh, if you have any uh, Mona, I guess is the character's name, right? Mona? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, if if you have any Mona thoughts you would like to share with them, share which uh, which uh, part of the scale you're, you're, <laughs> you're tipping on in the moment. I, I think they would enjoy hearing that. Well, I think that's going to do it for uh, our episode on crime and punishment. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, you can't change people. But you can appeal to who they are. (laughs) 